Welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney. Get your Bibles out if you can uh, and turn to Mark 10 while I make these uh, announcements at the beginning. This is a live call-in show. Uh, all Heart of the Matter shows are available online for review if you want to watch them. So we welcome you to come and, and check that out. Next week, it's exciting, we're going to have our first guest on the show. And uh, that's going to be Pastor Greg Johnson of Standing Together Ministries. And we hope you'll tune in there with lots of questions. Uh, Greg is responsible for bringing uh, Ravi Zacharias to the Salt Lake Tabernacle last year. And he's behind one of the ministries that takes place uh, outside of the uh, conference center when the LDS people gather together. Some of Greg's people are out there greeting them kindly, by the way. And he's also part of the Bob and Greg show. He's the Greg of the Bob and Greg show. And that's Bob Millett of BYU. And they go and they do a road show and they talk at different colleges and places about the differences and similarities between uh, Christianity and the LDS church. So I want to make those announcements. Get your Bible ready to turn to Mark 10 and let's have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us wherever we are. If we're tuning in, uh, be with me. Help me to step aside. Let your spirit guide me. Say the things you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go to your uh, calls, and we're going to open up the phone lines now, but you're going to have to wait, let's read from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. It's a very important story. It's short, but it is packed with significance. And when Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I might, may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sat at that saying, and went away greed, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished. At his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, with men it is impossible, but with God, with God all things are possible. So we have a rich young man, accomplished, he's lived his life well, he's urgent for truth. He runs to the Savior and he kneels at his feet. Can you sense that urgency? Now in the East, running for a man in public is one of the most degrading things someone could do, especially someone who's viewed as a ruler. Somebody who is viewed uh, with high esteem in the community, for them to run, a man to run through the streets, was just appalling to them. And so it shows the, the urgency within the rich young man of trying to get to the Lord. 
The same running occurs in the uh, uh, parable of the prodigal son when the father runs to his prodigal son. Again, it's unheard of for a, a wise man to run, and yet it shows the love of these men for the Lord. And then we have him kneeling before him. He's giving obeisance. He is, he is praising and worshiping him by falling to his knees. Now I have a question to ask the Latter-day Saints in the audience tonight. What will you do when you die and you come face to face with Jesus? Will you bow before him? Will you worship him? Will you praise him? Just think hypothetically in your mind, you die, you're going to see the person who suffered for your sins. What are you going to do when you meet him? All right, now answer this. If you said to yourself, I'll probably fall on my knees and I'll bow down and I'll worship him. My question to you is, why don't you do that now? Why don't you worship him now? And you know in the LDS church that you do not. So if you believe you will, ask yourself, why don't you now? Now, when it comes to worship, it's interesting. I have a very good Jewish friend. And when I was first introduced to, to him, it was at a place where we were singing. And every time we sing, this Jewish friend does this, and he sings. When we pray, the Jewish friend lifts his hands. And then I, if you watch on television, you'll see a lot of Christians doing this too. And before I was a Christian, I used to mock that. And I thought it was showmanship, and it was you know, weird stuff, and I mentioned that before. But I talked to them about that, and, and raising your hands up, has very significant uh, symbolism. One, it's a symbolism of a child reaching up to a father. It's saying, you know, pick me up, help me here. Reaching up and lifting your hands to a father, like a child does with his own or her own father. Another thing that we do when we raise our hands is we're saying, I surrender. We say, I can't do anything. I'm going to stay here. You take over. I surrender what's going on in my life. And we raise our hands in that way, too. And finally, the way people raise their hands is they raise their hands when they're lower than someone. When they're a beggar on the street asking for alms, they raise their hand up and ask for something to be given to them. And so when you put it in that sense, when you, when you praise and worship God, when you praise and worship Jesus, lifting your hands is a natural thing if you put it in those terms. And I, and I never really knew that until I was able to talk to them about that. Is that a reality in your life? Do you worship Jesus? You say probably in your mind that you will. And when you do, are you thinking of him in those terms? So the rich young ruler kneels to him and says, Good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? The stage is set. And he asks the Lord what he needs to do. Now watch what Jesus does with this is fantastic. If you think through it, read through it, listen. All the way down the line, Jesus takes the rich young ruler's uh, presuppositions about what salvation is, and he knocks them out of the way. Every single one of them. If you read through this exegetically and you try to understand it, he just knocks them out of the way. And the first thing he does is he reveals who he is to this rich young ruler. And he does that by saying, uh, who am I? What happens is Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. All right, what, the question for the Latter-day Saints and for Christians, was Jesus good? The Jehovah's Witnesses and a few other groups say that Jesus was saying, I'm not good. That there's only one who's good, and that's the Father in heaven. I'm not good. 
And I think that should be seriously rethought in the context of all scripture of who Jesus was. Do you believe that, that Jesus was not good? So really you have a a situation here where either Jesus was saying, I'm not good, only God is good, or he was saying, I'm God. That's what he was saying. And I believe he was saying to the rich young ruler, why are you calling me good master? There's only one who's good, and that's God. Are you calling me God? He's trying to get him to recognize who he's speaking to when he comes to him. Was Jesus good, my friends? If he was, then he was God, according to this passage. You get it? Now, the rich young ruler was under the impression that his salvation was up to him. He said, what do I do that I might get eternal life? Jesus was going to show him that if his salvation was in his hands, then he was going to fail. Let's read on, verse 19. So he says to this rich young ruler, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. This is a really important phrase that Mark includes in his gospel only about Jesus, about it saying, and he loved him. And that's important. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Jesus said unto him, one thing you lack. And he says, you you lack one thing, but he gives him six things to do. And it's very interesting. He says, go thy way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. Now, what is the one thing he lacks? He gives him a bunch of different instructions. What's the thing that the rich young ruler needs to do? Uh, he, first, he gives him three things that he has to do on his own. He says, go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor. And the last three things are of the Lord. He says, come to me, take up your cross, and follow me. What is the one thing he lacked? I propose the one thing he lacked is he didn't follow the Lord. Because following him would indicate that he had to sell what he had, that he had to give up those things, that he had to take up his cross, and that he had to come unto him. All that is is just inferred in him saying, follow me. So the one thing that that rich young ruler lacked was his willingness to completely follow Christ. Why? In this situation, it was because of his money and of his possessions. Now, you ever try to take a, a tree or a plant out of the ground that is big and large, uh, they have something called a taproot. And sometimes you can hack away all around the base of that plant and for hours, you know, hack and hack and hack, and then you pull on it and it doesn't even move. That's because the taproot is still deep into the ground and it's strongly holding on to that thing. And we all have taproot issues in our lives before we come to the Lord and even after we come to the Lord. Sometimes they take root again. Um, But there's one thing about them. If you don't know the Lord, they will prohibit spiritual rebirth. You will not experience a new heart from the Lord if you secretly desire to maintain your taproot issues. You will not. And if you are reborn, your taproot issues will inhibit your spiritual growth until you get rid of them. It It is unusual the desire to retain our taproot issues... It is usually, excuse me, uh, our desire to retain those issues that keeps us from really knowing the Lord. And we all know what our issues are. Now, I have three very good friends who are LDS. 
And they come to me at different occasions and they'll say to me, Sean, I really want to have this experience that you write about and talk about and everything. And maybe I'll stay Mormon, I don't know, but I really want this experience. What do I need to do? These are accomplished men. They're good men. They're, they're good family men. They strive. They really want to do well. And so with each of them in private conversations, I'll go, go back and forth with them, and I'll ask them these questions. I say, well, did you confess your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you? Yes, I've done that, Sean. I've done that. Do you ask Jesus to take over your life as Lord and Savior? I've done that. All the time I do that. Do you ask to have a new heart and to be born again? Yes, I do that. I told you I do it. Do you tell him that you'll do whatever it takes, no matter what it is, to know him? Yes, I do that too. And then I'll stare at them with a smile. And I'll say, you do. And then they'll look a little sheepish sometime. And I'll say, yeah, I do. And I'll say, are you willing to give up your possessions? Are you willing to give up your wealth and your power? Your position that you hold in the church? Are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to stop taking a sneak peek at the porn sites? Are you willing to stop thinking the thoughts about that, that neighbor that walks by? Are you willing to stop getting revenge on the road when someone cuts you off? Are you really willing to give that stuff up? And they look, and, and I know because I'm, I've been in the same place. Are you willing to give up that secret drink that you need every now and then? Are you willing to give it to God and say, I will give it to you if you just give me that spiritual rebirth? Here's a tough one. Are you willing to give up your family? Are you willing to give up your marriage? Sometimes that may be the case. I don't know. But you have to be willing to give it all to the Lord before he'll step in and take over your life. Now, here's the important thing. When you turn it over to him, he makes your life far better than you were ever able to have it on your own. And all the things you think that you've really set up for yourself, your power and your money and your family and your kids and their church and your activities, you think all that stuff's really going well. You want to see going well. Go to the Lord and give him everything and say, I really mean it. And he'll know it. That is when he will change your life. But you absolutely have to be willing to give it all to him. Are you? So the rich young ruler, how does he respond? Verse 22, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had a great many possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciple, how hardly... Shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? This was a guy who did it all. Jesus loved this guy. This guy was a righteous liver. This guy worshipped at the foot of the good master. And Jesus said, how hardly will he enter the kingdom of God? This was a great young man, brothers and sisters. He did everything that he was supposed to do according to the law. And he walked away sad. And Jesus turns to, him, to his disciples and he says he'll hardly enter heaven. And he drives the point home with a final metaphor by saying, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This is not an expose on wealth. I know plenty of very good Christians who are wealthy. It's an expose on your taproot issue. The thing you don't want to give up. The thing you're afraid of losing. I propose that many Latter-day Saints want to have the regenerative relationship with Jesus Christ, but they're afraid of what they'll lose in the bargain. And I want to tell you, you'll lose nothing. My wife and my children were all LDS. They still are. 
I came to know the Lord and nothing but good has happened in our life since when we had nothing but strife before. My entire family, my parents, their children, LDS. And we've get, we're getting along better now in love than ever before. There are rough roads, but you have to trust him who governs all to take over your life. The, the apostles were stunned. It says they were astonished out of measure. I love that line. They were astonished out of their minds at this doctrine. And what did they say? Who can be saved? That's what they say to Jesus in front of this. Who can be saved? Look at this. And Jesus answers, and this is the most important point. This is the point about it. Jesus says, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With men, our works, our running, our kneeling, our good living, it is impossible. Do you get it? But with God, all things are possible. We're going to go to the phone lines now, and uh, we got Bill on Tooele, and we'll start off from there. Bill? Hello? You're on, long, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah. Fire away, Bill. Oh, I'm doing pretty good, John. Good. I, uh, I wanted to uh, say something on the, uh, where you spoke of uh, when the Lord was called good. Yes. Uh, well, you know, when he came to this earth, he became uh, just like a man. Uh-huh. He was God, but he was still a man until he was crucified and resurrected. Uh-huh. He was only a man. Uh-huh. So, uh... When he was resurrected and returned to the Father and came back, and then in Matthew, why uh, the three women touched him after that, mm-hmm. and he uh, appeared to the uh, disciples. But if someone would have called him good at that time, he would have said, yes, I am good, yeah. because I'm God. Yeah. But when he was an, only a man, he couldn't say that. Yeah. He was referring to himself later. Bill, you, one, you got to turn your TV down. But second, I, I understand. I've tried here to turn it off. I've turned it off. Okay. I understand your interpretation, Bill, but I disagree. I think Jesus was good. I think that's what allowed him to atone for our sins. And I think that he was questioning the rich young ruler as to what he thought Jesus was. But the main thing that I wanted to put in is... Uh, God said in the New Testament, I dwell not in temples made by the hands of man. Right. And then in the end, in Revelation, on the eighth day, he, when he came back in the New Jerusalem, he said, I am the temple thereof. Yes, he did. And he said, I am the light of the world. In other words, you don't need not the sun or moon or anything to light. He is the light of the world. But he said, the, I am the light of the world prior to being resurrected. Yes, he said that prior to that. Yeah. And he said it afterward. Yes, Bill. Hey, I, thanks for the call. i got to keep it moving, but your insights are great. It gives everybody uh, food One for One more thing. I, I believe that the, the Mormon church, now I, I'll say this, uh, all of these temples they have built, in the Antichrist time will be used as a follower of the Antichrist when the temple is built in Jerusalem. It's interesting. That's a good thought. Thanks for your thoughts, Bill. Call back. Appreciate you watching. We're going to line nothing. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's line three, I think. Line three, are you on? Yeah. Hey, is this Joe? No, this is uh, Dan. Dan, go ahead, man. Hey, I've been watching and... You make it sound like uh, 
no LDS person can worship Christ when you ask that question of, do you worship Christ, then why don't you start? Like I thought in Christian doctrine it says that it doesn't matter where you are, you can worship Christ. It doesn't matter the church, it doesn't matter the place. That's true. I agree with you. And it doesn't matter. And that's why I, I don't stand on the old bromide that Latter-day Saints or members of the Mormon Church can't be saved. But I do believe when I visit uh, LDS sacrament meetings and I visit all the different classes that I see, and I even have been through the temple many times and sat and watched, I don't think it's Jesus who's being praised. I don't hear it from their lips. I don't see it in, in the way they, and uh, what their homage is being paid to. So I think that from my perspective, I don't think that he's praised. I don't, the, the Bible, our second or third show, we talked about uh, worship and how praise comes from the lips and how it's a sacrifice of the Christian. And I don't see people praising God in the LDS church. I don't see them saying, praise God, praise Jesus for that. Oh, the Lord has just done it. I very rarely hear that. So where you might, I understand your point, but I just don't think it's a practical application. Well, like, I don't think it's practical to go to a few sacrament meetings and a few... I don't go to a few. I've been an LDS member for 40 years. Okay, for, for okay, 40, 40 years. 40 years is not enough? Well there's, well, there's still millions of members, and you've seen not and, even... And, a... and, I've, and I very rarely... I mean, look, you can, look, you can turn on any Christian station and listen to their services on a Sunday. You can listen to almost any, and their message is centered around Him. You turn on LDS General Conference, there are two times a year where they can talk to the world, and very you get you know, a, a pot shot that someone's going to cover you know, the atonement. You, know, you just don't see the worship. So you can, you, this gets me fired up when Latter-day Saints try to call oh. and say he is worshipped. He is not. And I think uh, that can, that's a, this, it's not a matter of semantics. It's a matter of fact. Well, I just, it seems to me that worship is with the heart, and you can, you can tear apart people's words all day long. But worship is a matter of the heart, and I thought that only ju- only God can judge. I'm not judging. I'm not judging them as far as they're standing with God. I don't, I, Dan, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm saying that. Listen, uh, I I don't know how to put. I don't know how to argue with it. It is my subjective opinion of what I see. Yeah. And most people who visit LDS churches who are not LDS see the same thing when it comes to uh, knowing Jesus and worshiping Him. Now, maybe I could be wrong. I'm willing to admit I could be wrong, but I. I don't think I am. And I think that you're trying to give me the exception to the rule instead of the general circumstance. There may be exceptions. Maybe, Dan, you worship uh, Jesus in the morning. But let me tell you something. I go to the school of ministry in the morning. 85 guys attend there. They're all there early sitting in their cars and they're praying and they're doing their devotions and they're singing to the Lord. This is not a cultural thing they've been taught. It naturally happens to people who've been spiritually regenerated. I don't see that in LDS uh, parking lots. I have never seen it going out with missionaries. I don't see it in anything. So what you're saying to me, it, it, you know, theoretically, it might have a place, but it just, just doesn't hold water, Dan. I'm sorry. We're going to Michael on line two. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Nice to meet you. <laughs> it's getting kind of hot there, isn't it? Uh, oh, I, got, I got to stir it up when these guys are hey, Yeah, they're coming at you uh, left and right. Aren't oh, they? yeah. Uh, you know what, though? You keep preaching the word. All right, brother. It's simple. No, it's simple. So what's going on? No, it's simple. Word is simple. Yeah. Word is very simple. We don't. You don't have to contend. You don't have to worry about it. God put it in your heart. Amen. You, know, you have a question, Michael? Yes, I have a question for you. Fire away. Straight up. Tell me what salvation is. Salvation's in Jesus Christ. And how does that come from? It comes by faith. Through what? By faith. By grace. By faith. By grace. 
It comes by faith. By grace. Well, the grace of God, yes. You know what grace is? It's an unmerited gift. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So? What is grace? An unmerited gift. That's right. Okay. And that's why good things happen to bad people. Okay. Yep. I'll go with that. Straight up. Straight up. So what else, Mike? We're going to Trey on line one. Trey, you're on. Well, hi there. Hello. You have a question? Yeah, I do. Go away. Go ahead, Trey. Born again following here in Ogden. Mm. Great job. All right, good. Doing, doing the Lord's work, you are. Are you part of it? Absolutely. Oh, praise God, Trey. Uh, question for you. Um, I'm a bit perplexed, and I've been wanting to call for a while here. Mm -hmm. My question to you is, what is the LDS uh, stance on the nation of Israel? I notice on their temples that they bear the Star of David, uh, etc. Uh -huh. And as a born-again, uh, we're taught to be very apathetic towards the Israeli uh, people. Apathetic or empathetic? Empathetic. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a big difference there, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> Empathetic, sorry. Okay, it's all right. First whole jitters. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, you know what? The LDS Church, I have to admit, oh, they're telling me to tell you to turn your TV down if it's on. How about, uh, can I go ahead and release so I can listen to your response? Sure, let's do that. Keep up the good work. Thanks for calling, brother. Bye-bye. Yep, you know, uh, I think that the LDS Church has a very uh, uh, healthy view of the nation of Israel, and I think it's uh, a, a good stance and I, I don't. I think they're one of the um, a great supporters of Israel, and um, they uh, don't uh, come up with um, anything that no replacement theology. I, uh, I I just all I can say is I think the LDS Church treats the nation of Israel very well, and I too uh, absolutely believe in uh, that uh, the Jewish people were God's chosen people, are God's chosen people, and that we have an. Uh, an allegiance and a responsibility to support them. Um, and so that's what I think, and that's, I'm pretty sure I've given the LDS response. I may not be completely clear on it because I haven't done enough study in that area, but that's what I think. Larry and Payson, uh, line three. Larry, you're on. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, I've seen you a couple times, and you seem like you're pretty much full of uh, hatred of the uh, hatred, Larry. Yes, really. Because I'm emphatic of the LDS, and uh, well, that means I hate my my wife and my kids and my parents and everybody else. I I think the uh, no, just hear me out. You, okay, you you stand there and you are very prideful and arrogant, mm -hmm. and you talk about giving up everything. Uh huh. And those are some things that. We really need to give up. Uh, my I, pride, my arrogance. I can pick at you and uh, look at you and say, by golly, that guy looks like he's had his hair frosted. I did. I frosted myself. Probably looks better on TV. It does look that's, better on TV. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a sign of arrogance and pride. Why don't you just stand there and be who you are? Well, I guess I could take it, my shirt off too, Larry, and really make myself ugly. I mean, what do you want me to do? I try to look somewhat appealing God, to the audience. Did you, God, Larry, did you, Larry, Larry, Larry. It was it not. We're going on, Larry. You're, if you got a point that's really legitimate besides my frosted hair no, and the was, fact that I appear arrogant to you, then give us the point. Otherwise, you know, come on. My point is, is why don't you just 
preach the gospel. I pre I just preached the gospel, Larry. Preach. Mark chapter 10, 17 through 27. Did I you hear the gospel preached? Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and quit running down somebody else that you you can't see what is in another's heart. I never say I do, Larry. I'm talking about Mormonism, not Mormons. Do you understand the difference? I am not a member of the church. Okay, I don't care what you are. I'm telling you, do you understand the difference between Mormonism and Mormons? I'm not yelling. And I, I'm not yelling at you. If you wanted to yell, it would really be ugly. I'm raising my voice emphatically. I get hot because I don't want to hear you say things that are not part of my makeup at all. Do you know me personally? I'm on television and I'm doing a live call-in show, Larry. Have some empathy for me. Do you know what it's like to have people call and assassinate your character 24-7? I mean, come on, I have to defend what I'm doing. You want me to sit down and just listen to what you have to say, shave my head, take off my shirt, and let everyone see this, this body I'm in? Come on. This is television. I'm trying to get a message across. Be real. And you're not being real or fair. Dean. We're going to Dean on line two. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing well. Hey, I just want to tell you, you got a great show. Thanks, Dean. Uh, enjoy uh, watching it. And uh, you're doing a great uh, job. You don't need any uh, guests. Uh, we've already seen a lot of Greg Johnson already. Okay. You ought to have somebody like uh, Bill McKeever from Mormon Research Ministries on. Okay. Might, might make the program a little bit more interesting. All right. Hey. I'll take your, I'll take your, uh, your advice. Hey, keep up the great work. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, bye. T take care. Bye-bye. We got Quincy on line one. Quincy, you're up. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. How are you? Uh, just, keep, just keep on doing what you're doing. You know, it's, it's tough to edify people to build them up, you know, so a lot of people get offended, so, you know, Look what they did to Jesus. So take it, take it with a good nature, Sean. I'm trying. Amen. Um, My Irish blood won't let me. Well, sometimes you know, sometimes it's tough. It's not easy. All right, brother. Uh, we talked earlier, and I really want to point out the point that you know it's not about the building. Okay. It's a, Christianity is not a religion. We don't tell, we don't yell the church, the church, the church. We live a lifestyle. That lifestyle is in the Word, because when we, when we stay in that Word, God reveals His His nature and His Spirit unto us. Yes, it's an individual thing. So many people get caught up, and they're about their church, and they make the creation greater than the Creator. Right, and that's a problem we have today. Amen to that. And I'm going to address that, Quincy. I'm going to go to another line. Thank you for the call. I'm going to keep it running. Listen, I want to address something. Today we had a call in. J, uh, CJ called. He'd been watching the show. He wanted to know the Lord. And over the telephone this morning, he gave his life to Jesus. And uh, I, what Quincy just said was really important. Um, the church is not about a building. It's not a denomination. It is about a body of believers. And people will worship the Lord in many different places and ways. There are people who never go to church. They can't get there. And for whatever reason, and they are part of the body of Christ. So, CJ, I want you to know that it's not in the building. It'd be good to find a good church, but it, that will always fail you probably. You're going to find the members and the church itself will fail you. But the Lord never does, and you'll uh, be uh, buoyed up greatly by going to a good Bible-believing church. I wanted to tell you that. Also, while we're on the subject, I wanted to uh, say hi to uh, Kyle, who last week called in on the show and asked the Lord to take over his life. This is the most important thing that could ever happen. And uh, for people to turn their lives over to the Lord, and we just praise his name for this, uh, these events, keep them coming. All right, we got Rich on line three. Rich, you're up. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing all right. How are you? Great. Hey, uh, just my question is, uh, uh, I always get 
posed with the question of why good people don't go to heaven or whatnot when you're talking about salvation. Uh-huh. And they say, but he's good. Right. Going to heaven. That's a really good question. You want to hang up or you want to stay on? I'm going to stay on and listen to your views, bud. Well, the problem is the origin. Uh, if we were good from the start and we remained good and we did good, I would think that that would save us. But the problem is, is we're, we're defiled from the get-go. And so when we do good, it, it still comes out defiled. We still come out producing something. It's like, it's like an oily uh, machine producing cotton white sheets. Uh, you know, it, they're going to come out defiled one way or another. And those works that we do until they come from the Spirit of God within us are not going to do anything for us. And so we have to be reborn. So being good doesn't save us. That's why Jesus came. He was the only one who could be good. And because he was the only one who could be good, the, the perfect lamb, he was slaughtered on our behalf. Symbolic of the rituals the Jews would do in their temples and slaughtering the animals and spilling their blood. Jesus was that for us, our propitiation for sin. And he, he is the one who does it. Being good, nobody is completely good. Nobody. Now, there's some very good people. They, they're genetically built right and they have the right serotonin and the right family and the right upbringing and all the right stuff. And they're pretty darn good. But bottom line, they got evil in their heart somewhere or another, and they have to be purged of that by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, we are going to Debbie on line two. Debbie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. This is Debbie. I just wanted to give you some encouragement, and that is Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Okay. And, you going to read it? Um, that is, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I just wanted to offer that encouragement to you as you are conducting your show and just tell you to keep on keeping on. Debbie, I really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Appreciate your words of encouragement. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I need that. And in fact, it makes me feel guilty, because now I feel, oh, I should have dealt with these type of things better. And, you know, it's also good, though, to know that I'm just a guy just like you. And I'm a failure just like you, and I just let it hang out. I'm not really trying to put on any show except for the color of my hair, and I like it to. Uh, but I really do want to be genuine with you in my responses, and sometimes my response is a little bit of a heated argument. That's who I am, and I, and I work on that as well. But thank you, Debbie, very much. we got Merrill on line one. Merrill, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, hi, Sean. Hi. I appreciate uh, you taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, Sean, my, I'm, I'm a member of the uh, LDS Church, my understanding um, of the purpose of the sacrament meeting is to partake of the sacrament okay. of the bread and the water. And of course, you're familiar with the sacramental prayers as they're given in the Doctrine and the Covenants. Sure. And they mention Jesus Christ quite a bit. They do. And uh, in regards to conference, the main themes of conference, I just recently listened to it, Mm -hmm. um, I would say the, the, the two biggest themes are the atonement mm -hmm. and the resurrection of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then I would also say that the, the third one would be the restoration of the Lord's church in the latter days through the prophet Joseph Smith. Okay. So I, agree I, with see, you on all that. I see themes, I, think, I see the theme of conference right. and the theme of sacrament meanings as being the Savior. Right. I understand you, you, and I see those themes there too. I think those, the, the, those themes exist in uh, conference. I think the themes are there, and I think people do talk about them. But there is, um, 
you know, because they're there, the Jehovah's Witnesses, do you agree with their theology? The, the themes are there too with them. You walk into a, a kingdom hall, you, you can hear the themes of, of that too, a salvation, atonement, uh, the, the need for it. You can hear prayers offered with his name in them too. Because themes are there does not necessarily mean that the reality of the truth is there. And that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. And the way I, I judge the reality of the truth as I see it is from the Bible and what it says in the context of its gospel versus the LDS gospel. And so if you want to really split hairs, you're right. I, you know, there are talks that are given about Jesus Christ. The sacrament prayer mentions it. The church's name. This is the one that most Latter-day Saints, it's the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints. They even made the name Jesus Christ bigger in the logo. But all that doesn't necessarily mean that you're of him. See, I'm, I'm just looking right now at the sacramental prayers on the bread and the water. I can give them to you. Yeah, and, and you know them. Yeah. And they're very worshipful, worshipful towards God, okay, the eternal Father. What about the Catholics? Jesus Christ. Okay, what about the Catholics and their sacramental prayers? Yeah, they include Mary and some of it in the Eucharist, but you can still go, great stuff said about Jesus Christ with the Catholics. Should we pray to Mary too? The, the thing I'm saying is the repetitive nature or the, the evidence of Jesus being in something does not make it of him. Yeah, and I, I, I'm just, I respe- re- just respectfully disagree with you. I know in you that do. I think that uh, the LDS Church does focus on Jesus Christ and his mission, his atonement, and his resurrection. Have, let me ask you something before you go. Have you, been to, uh, uh, have you gone to another church? Certainly. Uh, mostly Pentecostal and Catholic. Okay, try, try another one that uh, maybe not denominationally. Go to a non-denominational and see what the pastor talks about. Uh, and, and I just think that there's a, a great difference between my experience and what I see and hear and, and understand. For instance, look at the primary. I mean, the primary kids, they are learning so much about church history, prophets, modern-day prophets, Joseph Smith. They learn everything. They can tell you stuff about that. But when you ask them simple questions about Jesus' life, you don't get it. And you can't get it from the adults, really, either. I'll have to respectfully disagree, because I think the focus in primary is still on the Lord Jesus. I, I completely disagree with you. Completely. We'll just agree to disagree. But I, All right, brother. Taking my call. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Christy in Salt Lake City, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. How are you doing? First of all, I like the frost. Thanks, Christy. Glasses are banging, too. I'm not from Salt Lake originally. Mm-hmm. And moving here, it was a great culture shock. I've heard many things about the LDS Church. Um, first of all, I'm a Christian, uh-huh. staunch believer in Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Uh, missionary has, missionaries have come to my door. They haven't really preached Jesus in his deity. Mm-hmm. And I've heard so much stuff about how after they die, the husband calls a secret name. They're supposed to have spirit babies. Then there's three heavens, and depending on how... Uh, I guess how worthy you are, you'll go to these one of three heavens. And actually, I'm kind of confused. I don't know really what they believe about Jesus, and that's what I would really like to know because ultimately we know if you don't know him and you don't worship, you don't serve him, that you're not going to make it in. So um, it would be great if you could explain who they think Jesus is versus who they think Joseph Smith is, and I'll hang up and listen. Okay, thanks for your call. Uh, let me be quick on this. We're going to do a show that covers that, by the way, of the LDS view of Jesus. I've touched on it, but the, the thing to remember is uh, when you understand Mormonism is that uh, everything begins with uh, eternal matter and eternal principles. 
And if you understand that things, theology and their theology and God does not begin with God or Jesus. or It begins with eternal matter and principles. And they believe that matter has always existed, always, and that there are eternal principles that have always existed. Under obedience to the eternal principles and laws, God came forth. And God with his wife, and I'm going to be kind here, God with his wife, um, he created spirit children in a pre-existence before the earth was. And he created us out of existing matter. And all these trillions or however many spirit children there were, um, Jesus was the top of the heap, the brightest. Lucifer was at the top of the heap, one of the brightest. And then Abraham and others were at the top of the heap and down, down, down. And so he created these spirit children. And these spirit children could see that God had a body of flesh and bone. And we said in this pre-existent state, we want a body too. And so he came up with a plan of salvation for us to come to this earth and get bodies so we could become like him, a God later. And to go through the tests and trials of this earth. And what happened was uh, God said, and if you sin, if you sin, then Jesus offered himself to come forward and atone for those sins so that it would be possible for us through repentance and following him through faith that we could return to live with God again. Part of repentance and faith means being sealed in the temple to go to the highest level with God. And it also means doing some other ordinance things that go along with that. And so they have a very different idea of soteriology, which is salvation through Christ. They believe he was a created being. They believe that we are spirit brothers and sisters. That's why they will often call him our elder brother instead of the Savior. And they did not believe that he is deity. They do not believe that he is God. They believe, excuse me. Correct? Don't email me. They believe he's a deity, but they're polytheistic in their thoughts about that because they believe that God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost are three separate and distinct personages and that God has a physical body just like Jesus. In a nutshell, that's how they view him. They do believe in an atonement. They do believe that Jesus came and he suffered and died for the sins of this world. But how that is manifested in your life and how you take that in and it changes your spirit and things, it's a very different subject. So in a nutshell, that's what it was. Okay, we've got lots of calls and lots of... Uh, if I don't get to your questions, by the way, uh, tonight, next week... Um, or maybe the following. I will read all your questions. If you've left it, I will read them. So don't, don't uh, get despondent. We'll get to them. Steve on line two. Hey, Sean. Hey. I like your hair. <laughs> I'm 51 years old. I uh, joined the church, LDS Church, about 25 years ago. Uh -huh. I was born and raised Baptist. Wow. And, and so I uh, was taking great exception to what you were saying. I'm a firefighter, been around the block for about 26 years, and I'm here to tell you that in a real-life view, I know that the born-again religion is one of Satan's biggest lies, and the reason for that is the focus, and I've been listening to you, is on yourself being saved by grace. Now, okay. I'll, I'll end my uh, statement here by saying in the LDS Church, our focus is on the service of Jesus Christ outside of ourselves. We're not doing it to work our way to heaven, but we understand that in order to serve Christ, we need to actively do that and not be focused on ourselves, all of our little problems, and our selfishness. Uh, the reason I never went back to the born-again religion is because the focus is on oneself, and 
it gets you nowhere. I heard you. Can I comment? Uh, uh, well, just Let me comment. Come on. I, I won't cut you off. Let me comment. Uh, I agree with you. I agree that there are people who call themselves Christians who lay around and they just say, Jesus, 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 and they have problems out their ears, and you want, I wonder, too, about the salvation. So I agree with you on that point. I'm Sean, and yeah. I, I love you. I, I appreciate the fact that you're up there doing what you're doing. It's a good thing uh, in many respects because you got some guts. But, my friend, what's the percentage? If you were to really, from your gut, tell me what the percentage of, our, of active born-again Christians that are out helping their neighbor and right. really understand this uh, Christ principle. Right. I have no idea, but let me say this. Oh, you uh, do? I, no, I, I said I have no idea what the percentage is. It may be low, but Jesus said straight is uh, the gate, narrow is the way, and few be there that find it. So I wouldn't say that there's a great percentage of, of uh, Christians who are legitimate in their uh, professions who lay around and don't do anything else. But i got to flip it on you. I mean... If, if going out and helping your neighbor was the operative thing, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the Shriners and the Masons and all the service-oriented clubs and the, all these groups, they would be doing God's will, and they're, they're, they're getting in better steed with Him. The, Excellent. So, you know... Point. The, you know what the second major, huge difference was? The glue that kept me to the LDS Church was that we have the Spirit, and I see it, I feel it, I experience Christ at the LDS Church, and th I'm sorry, my friend, but it did not happen. Well, uh, I can't, I'm not going to argue with you on whether you experience the Spirit there, and I'm not going to argue whether you have salvation through Christ. I speak against Mormonism, not Mormons, and I think that if we sat down, at, no wait, I got to have a equal time, if we sat down and laid out Everything that is said for your salvation out of Mormonism, I'm sorry, it's not biblical. And I hold the, the Bible up much higher than the word of one man in 1820. I've been listening to a lot of the callers that are not up on the anti-Mormon literature. Uh, Firefighters for Christ has a huge library. Yeah, they do. Mormon, huge library of anti-Mormon literature that I subscribed to when I first joined the church, and it really threw me off balance until I realized that the born-agains were not playing fair. And finally I came to a knowledge that if we can play fair and we go into your history, Sean... Oh, forget it. The history stinks. I don't go into your history, so it's not fair oh, no, for you no, to... No, 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 wait, but it's not fair for you to bring that up on my show. Just no, but you can't bring that up on my show. You finished, but... Uh, You're bringing that up on my show. I don't go into your history. Yes. Don't go into ours. You, That's not right. Wait, 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 wait. You just talked about Joseph Smith, and you know what I'm going to tell you right now? What? We do have our problems, but then I found out that the born-agains had equal problems sure. that they don't want to talk about. Sure, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So that's why, you know, I, I think you and I would get along in many cases. I disagree with you on things, and you disagree with me, but I, you know, I, I, I am not a denominationalist in saying this is, this is it, you know, but we got to break some things down, and, and I'm going to talk about what I think needs to change. I got to go to Yolanda on line one. Thanks for calling, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for liking my hair, too. Uh, Dan on line one. Dan, are you back? No, this is Yolanda. Hey, Yolanda. Fire away. Oh, hi. Um, hello, big guy. Hi. That's a nice color on you. Thank you. 
I, I, I would like to thank you actually for the show because it has really, I, this is the second time I'm watching it, uh-huh. third, and it's been really great because it's strengthened, it's, it strengthened my testimony of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. And uh, I, I just, it just makes me want to be better, better uh, every day. It makes me want to be a better Mormon. Excellent. Uh, a better LDS. So I appreciate Does that. Does that mean a better Christian? Sure. Yolanda? Yes. Okay. Well, then, then praise God. You know, if, if, I mean, whether I'm talking about Jesus in pretense or whether I'm talking about him in reality, according to Paul, Jesus is being talked about. Exactly. And, yeah, and so I praise God if, if it's helping you, you know, let's just take everything and try to get toward something that's better, right? That's right. Okay. Yolanda, thank you for your call. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Jeff in Clearfield, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, brother. How's it going? Oh, we're getting a little hot in here, but it's all right. Yeah, I caught you uh, the last caller two weeks ago. Hey, I just want I used to be Mormon, uh-huh. um, and I became a Christian, uh-huh. and... Uh, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest difference was is uh, that I couldn't believe. I mean, it was huge um, from going from Mormonism to uh, being a born-again Christian um, was uh, the exalting man, exalting yourself, yeah. the exalting God. Yeah. Like, as soon as I became a Christian, I realized I'm nothing. Yeah. It was all, and once you realize the beauty of God, you know, you just want to praise God. That's right. And, uh, and follow him more, huh? They were, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I found out, I went to a website, and uh, it destroyed all of my, I, I was pretty deep into it, and it destroyed um, everything I believed about the church, I mean, because I read about church history, but um, and uh, but it didn't destroy my, my uh, desire for Jesus, and yeah. so... Um, You're lucky in that respect. Yes, oh well, yeah, I mean, because some people become atheists, yeah. or what have you, but um, right now, I mean... I'm facing eviction. Uh, my wife separated from me. Um, I might go on disability. Um, a lot of things are going on, but I just say praise Jesus. I'm so happy. Awesome, Jeff. I don't care what happens. I'm just so glad to know the Lord. That is a great testimony to the power of God in you that helps you get through things like what you're going through. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's all about Him. It I, is. I, I love Him, and oh, I just love Jesus so much, and that's all that matters. Praise God, Jeff. Thank you for the call. All right, hey, thanks for the show. I'd like to get your book as well. How do I do that? Uh, go to the website, www.bornagainmormon.com, and uh, email me if you can't afford it, and uh, I'll send it to you. All right, praise Jesus. All right, see you later. Bye. Bye. Yeah, let me say that again. Uh, we have the book. I forget about that. Uh, it's called Born Again Mormon, Moving Toward Christian Authenticity. And uh, it's been uh, recommended by some very responsible people. And they all say, you know, it has a good tone. I'm not anti-Mormon. It doesn't have your history and all that stuff in it. It just explains why I think Jesus is missing from the, the daily or weekly picture, uh, the way he is evident in uh, the Christian uh, faith. Uh, also talks about uh, the first half is about spiritual rebirth and how you can become spiritually reborn. And I, I recommend it to you because um, it's a great gift for a Christian to give to an LDS friend or family member. Like I said, um, we sell it on the website through PayPal. If you can't afford that, then I will send it to you for free. No problem. No questions asked. Just email us at www.bornagainmormon.com. That's our website. You can get the email address on that. We'll go from there. Few more calls. Johnny from Mapleton. Johnny on line one. Hey Sean, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm awesome. All uh, right. Just wanted to say thanks for your book. 
I got it last Saturday. Oh, good. I've uh, been reading it. Uh, I've longed for like a, a Mormon Christianity uh, translation book. Uh-huh. So it it kind of covers what Mormons think of Christ and what Christians think of Christ. Uh-huh. And it's, it's just been great. Oh, excellent. Thanks so much. Hey, is this the Johnny that comes on the site? Uh, probably. Ah, oh, keep it going, brother. <laughs> Thanks for calling. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. We got Dan from Pleasant View. Dan. We had Dan. Dan? I may have just cut Dan off. Okay, some questions. Try to get through these. How do you handle the rejection from family, friends, and neighbors when you become a born-again Christian? Doug was a Mormon for 53 years before becoming a Christian. You know, I turn it to the Lord. Uh, I'm re- I've rejected and uh, I get hassled. Uh, the emails I get, you guys wouldn't believe. I'm telling you, you wouldn't believe it. Um, but uh, I just turn it to the Lord and say, I need your strength. I need your help to get me through this, Doug, uh, because I can't do it on my own. Lord, take this from me. And he gives me strength uh, to, to handle it. Um, if you knew me well, you'd know that uh, Sean McCraney does not have the ability to um, retain his passions when he's getting attacked. But God, through uh, me sometimes, I, when I listen, he helps me do that. So that's how I do it, uh, Doug. Jess from uh, Jessica says, All my family is Christian. Every Tuesday we stop what we are doing to watch your show because it helps us grow closer to God. You're doing great talking about him the way people can understand. We need your prayers, Jess. And uh, thank you for watching. Uh, we'd love for you to continue to, uh, uh, to watch and pray for us if you could. All right. Uh, I thought we had, we have two, we have lines lit up, but I don't see anything. So I uh, want to know what a wonderful lesson you're doing in your ministry. I'm on your website every afternoon. This is from Aaron. Keep up the great work. Website's www.bornagainmormon.com. Lauren is on line one. Lauren, fire away. It's Lorette. Lorette! I just happened to be cruising here and happened to turn you on, and I'm so glad to see you. I think you look wonderful. I don't care what they have to say. I was LDS for over 40 years till I decided to study, Uh do a lot of reading, Uh and I am now a Catholic. Oh, wow. What a a, uh, change. You went back to the original, huh? I went back to the church that Jesus Christ started. I see. Beginning. Let me ask you. Yeah. How, do you, how do you handle all the, the Mariology stuff? With Mary? Yeah. I, I like it fine. She, you know, she's the mother of God. Jesus, she's Jesus' mother. Yeah. She's, she, just like we have a mother. We don't, like people say, oh, you worship her. No, we don't worship her. Yeah. We honor her. Yeah. Just like you do your mother. Do you pray to her? Yes, do. Yeah. Ask her to bless us, keep us well, protect us. Yes, we do. Have you been born again, Lorette? Yes, I would say so, and I love it. Well, awesome. I, uh, you know, my, my specialty or my thing is not Catholicism, and uh, it's LDS because that's what I know. But uh, you know, just like you say, you never hear the Our Father said in the ch- in church. They never kneel to pray. Uh, they don't believe in the cross, and if it wasn't for the cross, we, there would be nothing. Why? Why would there be any religion? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. We need that cross, and that's the emphasis in the Bible, and the references in the Bible are always to the cross, never to the garden, but that's their thing. Bye. Lorette, thank you so much, and call again. Oh, I sure will. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye. And uh, don't see, know who's on there. I don't want this one. Uh, this one's thanking. Don't want to thank. Fear God. This is from the caller didn't leave a name. What does 
this mean she doesn't understand to fear God? Uh, God, uh, you know, there's a planet out somewhere. I think it's called Betelgeuse. And that planet is so enormous, or it's a star, that you can fit our entire solar system inside of it if it was hollowed out. Our sun in the middle of it and our, all of our planets all the way out to Pluto would orbit the sun inside this one planet, Betelgeuse. And then this planet spins, too, at something like 2,000 miles a minute. That's how enormous that is. And when I think of the fear of God, I think about what He does and what He's done. And I think about the universe, and I think about creations like that. And God is a burning that Jesus has reconciled us to through His blood. And God poured His wrath out upon His Son on the cross. It wasn't the Jews who were killing him. It wasn't the Romans who were torturing him. It was the Father pouring his wrath out upon his Son for our sins. This God is a God of love, but he is a God of justice. And when it comes to fearing him, that's the first step towards wisdom in the Lord. So God, who is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and truth, is a fearful God if you come to know him in your sinful state. And that's why they refer to uh, God as fearing God. Once you come to know him through his son, it says we can go boldly before him, boldly. And that Jesus, we are looked through the blood of Jesus when he looks upon us. That's why Jesus is so important. We're at the end of the show. I want to thank all the callers. I want to thank the viewers. Um, I invite you to turn to the Lord. You don't need to call the show to do it. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. Uh, wherever, and just ask Him to take over your life and be willing to turn everything over to Him. You do that, life changes, and you begin to see things through His eyes and not your own. And uh, keep calling, share with your neighbors. God bless. I'm on a ride, going nowhere. I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake, a storm's arising the dawn's waiting till a hundred monkeys know And I can feel the light-filled monkeys start 